everyone, welcome to episode 6 of Librarians Assemble, your premier audio resource for all things libraries and comics. I'm your host, Josh Stone. This week is our very special Banned Books Week episode, and to help us out today, we have an incredibly special guest. I don't know how she found the place. My wife is with us today, Christina. How's it going? Going good, thank you. So for those who don't know, Christina is also a librarian. Besides having the misfortune of being married to me, she's also a librarian. <laughs> and she has done a lot of work this year for her library with banned books. So I thought this was a great time to get her on the show. I've been wanting to get her on the show anyway. And so now I finally twisted her arm to do it. <laughs> so thank you. And thank you. I, I think you will be reimbursed for your mileage to get here. I think that's how that's going to work. <laughs> All, right. All right. So this week we're going to be talking about two um, two frequently challenged graphic novels. Those are Bone by Jeff Smith and Drama by Raina Talemeyer. So, um, yeah, this is actually the first time both of us have read either of these books. So that was pretty fun. Our, um, our daughter has read Drama and is a huge Raina Talemeyer fan. So now we know what's up. <laughs> but um, <laughs> So, yeah, it was, it was pretty interesting. So th- for those who don't know... Um, I imagine there's very few people who listen to the podcast who don't know, but Banned Books Week is an annual event put on by the American Library Association to raise awareness of frequently challenged or outright banned books from libraries, both public and academic and, and school libraries throughout the country. Every year they do a big promotional campaign. I believe it was either last year or the year before they focused heavily on graphic novels, so we missed the boat a little bit, but that's fine. Um, this year is um, I don't really know is there a theme this year? Is there? I don't think so. Theme? Nah. Who cares? We're not sponsored by the LA. <laughs> um, so, anyways, that that's pretty much the premise behind Banned Books Week. And if you're on Twitter, you can use the hashtag Banned Books Week all week long to talk about some books that are frequently challenged that you enjoy. There's also plenty of online resources out there. If you just go to ALA's webpage, you can find links to your heart's content. And we are using the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund today to talk about our two books. CBLDF.org uh, stands for Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. And so without any further ado, let's get this show on the road. So first we're going to talk about Bone by Jeff Smith. Uh, it's a series of books that I have been meaning to read for about a decade and I have yet to do so. So I got volume one out of the way. So, Christina, why don't you take the lead here? This is your first time reading not only Bone, but do you want to do confession time with our listeners and, and no, talk I about? I don't because I'm ashamed. To, you don't want to do it? I'll, <laughs> then I'll, I'll out you. How about that, Christina? Though surrounded by comic book nerds <laughs> like myself and her daughter at home and at work, and yeah, at home and at work, she is not actually. A huge comic book nerd she loves the idea of comics but she's not really read many if any graphic novels so this is one of her first true experiences reading that yeah I think this is the first one is this the first one mm-hmm. oh see so you want to talk a little bit because I think that's good for you know other librarians out there who might not be into you know graphic novels the way some of our other guests have been it could you know graphic novels can be intimidating not just in subject matter but just as far as reading goes, I know I've gotten a lot of patrons who have 
felt, you know, kind of intimidated about reading mm-hmm. graphic novels. So do you want to talk a little bit about your experience in reading a graphic novel? And then we'll talk about Bone? Yeah, I... Well, first we we actually planned on reading Sandman, but I couldn't get through Sandman. <laughs> I love Neil Gaiman, but I could not get through Sandman. I couldn't figure out the... And I know it just comes so naturally <laughs> to some people... The word bubbles, the progression of the tiles, where mm. to go next. Is that what they're called? Tiles? Panels. No, panels. panels. And um, I just couldn't get it. It just, my mind just works and it's just too linear, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, and but I, I, thought, I thought these, thankfully, because I would have felt pretty bad about myself if I <laughs> couldn't get the juvenile graphic novels under my belt but um they seem pretty easy to they're easy to follow um i'm I'm pretty interested to know what happens to bone on his little odyssey the the bones yeah yeah and in your defense real quick about sandman and having a hard time i you came to me and i was like oh no you just do it this way and then i i happened to randomly just pick a page because i'm like look look she's like Oh, well, except for this one, because this one you have to go kind of down and then over. Mm-hmm. And then, this, so, like, yeah, Sandman was a little bit tricky for a new comic book reader, I will say, because the I the wanted layout, to love it. I wanted to love it. And you it. will. Once I, you read, I know you will. No, but I like, I like his novels. It's just, I don't know, it's something about that format that doesn't click with my brain. Yeah. Well, and, but, and... I appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I appreciate his work. I appreciate the artist's drawings. I think they're really cool and dark. And I definitely, went, even though I didn't get very far into the book, it scared the hell out of me. <laughs> I was sitting in Amira's uh, vocal lesson just Mm -hmm. wait you know listening to her sing her happy little songs and vocal practice and reading sandman at the same time two completely diametrically opposed (laughs) (laughs) happy 10 year old girl and terrifying yes the nightmares the night like it the concept of the nightmare Mm -hmm. and how terrifying they were and powerful these individuals i just couldn't even yeah i haven't i haven't read sandman in, in quite some time maybe i was maybe terrified one day, maybe one day i'll reread it again i, I was terrified re- it tapped into it. me well you've had really terrible nightmares mm-hmm. before like right you know it seems mm-hmm. like seems it seems <laughs> like the whole series is kind of gonna be really really dark oh, it's and, fucked up it's a fucked up series <laughs> <laughs> it's great though and, I, want, I think you and will again this is I like, appreciate it mm-hmm. but it scared the hell out of me because I've had some really scary nightmares mm-hmm. and I know that sounds kind of superficial of course everybody's had nightmares but oh my god and now you know why yes and now, now, <laughs> now I know why and, and real quick and I know this is a personalized recommendation for you but I'm sure other librarians will enjoy it too um, he I don't know if you meet her in book one but one of his sisters one of the endless her name is Death she's obviously mm-hmm. the the overlord of, of the underworld and um, 
her she uh, Neil Gaiman I think made two graphic novels solely about death, <laughs> and those are really really great. And um, are they standalone or they're part of they're Sandman? St- I mean, you don't. Ha- I don't think you've had to read Sandman to get her. I think oh, okay. if you just know the premise. Mm-hmm. But um, <clears throat> yeah, they were really good, and um, I think Tori Amos does the forward for both of them because Neil Gaiman. I I'm pretty sure in. Um, a friend of ours will correct me if I'm wrong. Amanda Terry's wife will, will correct me if I'm wrong. She's the one who introduced me to all of this. Um, I'm pretty sure Neil Gaiman based that character on Tori Amos, too. So. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it was, it's pretty cool. Okay, so that's not what we're going to talk about. So we spent a good seven minutes talking about what we were going to talk about, but not what we're going to talk about. So what we are going to talk about is Bone. So Bone was written by... Jeff Smith, written and drawn by Jeff Smith. It involves three little creatures who are exiled from here, you say it, Christine, where are they exiled from? Boneville, not Bonneville. It's not Bonneville, it's Boneville. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm I'm sure... They're straight out of Boneville. They're they're straight out of Boneville. Um, Oh, they should make a little straight out of Compton graphic with Bone. I'm sure they have. There's so many of those floating around everywhere now. There's a straight out of everything you could possibly imagine. Um, so yeah, they they have to flee their homeland because the um, one of the cousins made some shady business deals and the town folk turned against him, and they end up in yeah. a place called the Valley. He's basically Jeff Smith's version of Donald Trump. He's a Donald Trump that gets his comeuppance <laughs> on like the real Donald Trump, which is. <laughs> we'll never. Can, who continually is just lauded and applauded wherever he goes. But this particular version of Donald Trump actually has to deal with the ramifications of what he's done. Anyway, that's a little political side note. Um, so let's talk a little bit um, about your, ex- your experience reading it and what you thought about the book. And then we'll talk about what made this book challenged and what some of the complaints are from folks in the world who may not like this book well first in addressing some of what we'll get to later um for all the talk of the book being racist um i i don't i didn't really see that but um more to the point i thought the female characters were written pretty well. They were kind of badass. Mm-hmm. Thorin and her grandma. Well, real quick, just a side note about the racial thing. I'm reading here on the comic book legaldefensefund.org that it says specifically volume two was flagged as politically, racially, or socially offensive. So I wonder, you know, like you and I only read volume one. Uh huh. So I wonder if there's something. Like, I wonder if one of the bones come out in blackface or something, maybe, for the great powers. <laughs> like, I... Because short of that, I can't that imagine... terrible! I can't imagine <laughs> what they could do in this series that would be ra- that that racist, but... No, I think it... I mean, I, I, I have a theory. I think it's kind of like a, a piece of... Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Like social commentary, you know? Yeah. Looking down at the people in the valley, like... They're yokels. And, well, and that's what but um, the Donald Trump... What is the Donald Trump's character name? Do you remember? Um, full disclosure, Christine and I wrote, read this book a while ago. We meant to record like a week ago. 
It's not phony, was it? One of them is phony. One of them is phony. Um, so yeah, you go ahead and look that up. I'll I'll keep I'll keep going. Um. So yeah, so I I think about the racial. Yeah, phony. Thing. He's the richest bone in in, in Boneville. In all of mm-hmm. Bonneville. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think as far as what I can tell in volume one, as far as the racism goes, I think you're right. I think it's a class thing more than a race thing. Like they get to the valley and they're portrayed as, like you said, just like country folk yokels. Uh huh. But there was one scene, and I I might have only, I might have only been paying attention to this solely because you had told me that this book was flagged as as racially insensitive. Um. Because there's a scene where he meets, um, where he meets the, um, where Bone, the main Bone, is his name just Bone? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where just Bone first gets to the valley, he meets the little leaf creature. And the way the leaf creature and his brother speak is kind of a stereotypical southern, like, quote-unquote poor southern way to speak. And as somebody who's lived in the South and have been surrounded <laughs> by Southerners, <laughs> I I can tell you that it's not just a racial thing. Like I I feel like there might have been somebody out there who's like, well, that's that's how I've seen Black people speak on Southern Black people speak on TV, so they're making fun of that. <laughs> but I mean, that's not really just a race thing in the South. It's kind of just the way certain people in the South yeah. talk, and that I mean, that's what I took from it. I mean, maybe it's just me being naive, or maybe it's just me being, um, you know, wishful thinking. <laughs> but I, I don't, I didn't find it to be racist. Yeah, I, I didn't either. So, besides race, what were some of the other things that were, were flagged? Uh, well, it says one parent complained of the vo- quote violence or horror unquote in the entire series but in the districts where that occurred um the books were reviewed and they were kept on the shelves in the elementary schools um as far as violence and horror i don't i don't really feel like it was too scary as an asthmatic (laughs) i felt like the 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 locust storm yeah. in the beginning of the book <laughs> uh-huh. i kind of felt my throat closing up a little bit mm-hmm. but as far as violence or horror not i mean i i really didn't see that at all no i i didn't get that either um the one thing i did and i read this book before i looked for reasons why it was challenged or banned mm-hmm. um one thing I, I noticed while I was reading it, and it did come up when I was when I was actually you know seeing some of the reasons why this was was challenged. Um, the smoking. There's a lot of smoking. There's a lot of tobacco or maybe not tobacco use. Yeah, and there's like drinking. And there and there's, there's drinking. Bars. And there is a note here that there was you know this in Minnesota, a parent petitioned for this series removal from her son's school library um, based on the fact that they had the D.A.R.E. program at the li- well, you at, don't I mean, say. at the school. <laughs> a bunch of hosers put this in there. <laughs> it's okay to drink their Molson, but it's not okay to, <laughs> it's not okay to read about it. Um, but 
a letter from Smith to cry in the ban attempt was read aloud at the review committee's hearing, and the challenge was ultimately rejected by a 10 to 1 vote to the praise of Smith and the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund. Woo, good so for them. they should out that one person who voted. <laughs> but, but other than that, I, I mean, that could be the only ground. And I mean, that says something. When did that happen? Was there a year on that? In the 2010. 2000s. That was 2010. Yeah. So it was five years ago. So it says a lot about where we've come as a, um, as a culture where parents want books banned now because there's characters smoking. Like, that's, that's good. I mean, that's a good... I mean, it's still not good to ask for a book to be banned. But, also, but like, it's a lot better than what we're about to get into with drama. I and and even that, I, you know, I mean, we watched. I mean, it's no different than say Looney Tunes. Would you tell a kid they can't watch Looney Tunes? There are there is a lot of that happening. I um, a lot of the Looney Tune DVDs, and I'm sure you know this. Never did I want to start smoking because i saw a cartoon character doing it no but i did start cross-dressing because bugs bunny did it <laughs> <laughs> and i once did run off a cliff just because my hero oh, the Riley... halloween episode is coming up we have to catch the which halloween episode bugs bunny with hazel oh, which yeah, hazel yeah, yeah. um <laughs> anyway what was i saying <laughs> um <laughs> great Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. So um, the smoking. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't think that's a a great reason to ask for them to ban a particular thing. Right. Like, how about have a conversation with your kid? Like, you know, yeah, smoking is bad for you. Oh, that's what you're saying about Looney Tunes. Yeah. Well, there are oh, yeah. um, there are little disclaimers now in front of Looney Tunes because if that's the world we live in. Where, I've never seen that before. Yeah, yeah. If you, if you see an old, if you're lucky enough to find a, an original Looney Tune cartoon on TV, because they don't really show them much on TV anymore. But if you find one on TV, there's little disclaimers, especially before like the ones with people being shot or Speedy Gonzalez. Um, there are disclaimers that this was made in a time where you know like oh, wow. people were a little bit more insensitive, or you know like this is we understand that in today's day this is racially charged but this is this is how it aired back when it aired and even the dvds because i I... that's so funny because i kind of consider myself very liberal you are very leading heart liberal just about the definition Mm -hmm. and i don't think that that's necessary the amount of times i quote speedy gonzalez and slowpoke rodriguez on a daily basis you're racist. It, it does make me racist, but they were great cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but I, I... It is the time that we live in right now where... Seeing somebody smoking in a cartoon or on in a comic book is... Um, unnerving, I guess is the term. No, it's like... It's disarming. That's the word I'm looking for. Like, it takes you back a bit. Like... Yeah. Because I saw that, and I can't remember the last time I've seen a cartoon character with a cigarette outside well, of Looney Tunes. I think the whole thing you know, is drawn like, kind of with a, but, and it's, like it's, almost a, a throwback feel, yeah, I think retro Bone, feel to it. I think Bone is very much an homage to the old cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, I, I can see where that challenge is coming from. I'm not saying that that challenge is valid. I'm not saying that... It, 
any book really should be outright banned <laughs> from any library. I understand the need for school libraries to monitor their collection mm-hmm. just to make sure they're not putting anything that's super inappropriate for kids. But at the same time, kids should be exposed to things that do challenge them or do not just challenge them like intellectually, but challenge what they their cultural acceptance of things or their right. cultural understanding of things because some people aren't lucky enough to get the exposure, the cultural exposure through life experiences based on either where they live or, or who their parents might be. Uh-huh. But they can certainly get it through books and graphic novels and TV shows and movies. And that's why I think diversity in books and movies is, is important, not just for the people that they represent you know like it's not just important that hispanics are represented in in literature for hispanic kids that that's important for them to have but it's also important for for non-hispanics to see hispanics in literature to know that mm-hmm. to understand their culture if if they are unfortunately in a position where they might not know any hispanics or be in a place where that culture is prevalent mm-hmm Okay, so that's that's my little rant about that. Do you want to say anything else about Bone before we move on to I just drama? think it's funny that in this in this blurb about the Minnesota parent, the parent's son had just graduated the local D.A.R.E. anti-drug program mm-hmm. when she discovered images she believed to be promoting drinking and smoking mm-hmm. in the comic her son was reading. So would it have been okay if the timing were different? It might have been. <laughs> It might like if the program was say yes to drugs, then I think she would have been like, "Oh, good." The administration and the school board and the and the school library are all working together. But I think she thought so there was alcohol a and drugs were okay before the kid finished alcohol, his dare al- program. Alcohol and drugs were fine before Nancy Reagan. Yes. Yes, that's. Or does he simply view it ironically now, as opposed to before? Yeah, dare. Go ahead and dare me. <laughs> dare. Yeah. Yeah, now dare. Yeah, dare. Oh, God, dare. I remember dare. <laughs> anyway. Okay. So, Bone overall, um, since there's not really a collection development book recommendation part of the show today, um, Bone is already in your library. I promise you it is. Um, even if you're a new collection development person at your library, I hope that the person before you and probably the person before them (laughs) had already ordered the entire series of Bone because it is an essential part of any not just any library's graphic novel collection but it's an essential part of every children yeah I would say that's probably part that's like core collection stuff right there and it's on many many school reading lists so there's no way your library doesn't have it for some reason if your library doesn't have it you should definitely buy it but you do already have it so what you should do and I'm speaking from personal experience here because I'm looking at a ratty copy. You should drink you, and smoke. You should drink and smoke. Go out to the stacks it. and take a look at your collection and make sure that they're in good condition. And if not, go ahead and buy yourself some some new copies because they are going to get used. These books get used very, very frequently. Yeah, and I, I would say also this is probably something really good, uh, you know, like a good um, introduction to graphic novels. For reluctant readers as well. I mm-hmm. think that there is appeal here for to boys and girls. 
I don't think it's one of those things where, you know, boys I, will no, be I, turned off by it or girls for that I matter. Think, I think this is a great. I think it's a good neutral. Yeah, I think this is a good item. good one for for boys. Like I think this is good for boys, especially because of the old cliche that boys are a little bit more reluctant to read, and I think mm-hmm. this is one that will will get them interested in reading. It has enough action, enough humor. Enough cool stuff like dragons. Did I say that? Did I say... Did I imply that boys were the reluctant readers? No, I just did. That was me. (laughs) This is my voice. Oh my god. I'm so sexist. No, I'm the one. I don't think that. I'm the one being sexist. Okay. That's cool. As a man, I can say these things. Yeah. As a man who has never been a reluctant reader. Yeah, anyone who's met you would know. That I'm a sexist? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, Please, female librarians, disregard that. And if you want to be on this show, I'm not a sexist. Go back and listen to any of the other episodes. <laughs> all right, kitten. The um, all right, listen, dollface. Um. So anyway, listen. I've let you finish every sentence that you've started today. Okay, that's that's progress in America. <laughs> um, we're about to be visited by one of our dogs. So okay. if there's an inner, if there's a weird uh, break in the podcast, I apologize. Okay, so now we are going to. T- and, and it looks like Christina's trying to egg him on right now too. So. He's eyeing the paper. Yeah, he's a big paper lover. Okay, so... Oh, this is what he wants. That's it for Bone. Let's move on to Drama. Drama was written and drawn by Raina Talamire, who is by far, without a doubt, unquestionably the queen of all things comics. Half of the graphic novel list right now, the New York Times... Yeah, is, is many like belongs to this gal right every, here. Every time you turn around, she's taken over the New York Times bestseller list, as she should be. Um, this is the second Raina Talmire book I have read. I read Smile. Um, I've talked about it on the show before, so I'm not gonna hammer it out. But Smile um, is the reason that our kid wants to go to the dentist and find out that she that's needs true. braces. Let, yeah, let's take a let's take a, a minute to explore that. Smile is such a great book. Such an <laughs> engaging and endearing book that our daughter is looking forward to the possibility of her getting braces just because of that book. Yeah. Pretty much. She doesn't it's outright kind of say it, but she it's is kind of adorable. She is kind of wanting just to be young. Raina Talmire. She even cosplayed as Raina Talmire, young Raina Talmire, last year for one of the cons. Um, so anyway, drama is a rare fiction book by Raina Talmire. Her other two main works, Smile and Sisters, are both memoir, graphic memoir. This one is a fictional book about a young girl who's putting on a play at her school and the friends she meets along the way and the romances and uh, failed romances oh. that she um This she shit took endures. me right back to middle oh, and high right? school, man. Yeah, it took me back too. And I wasn't <laughs> even a girl falling for the wrong dudes. <laughs> Furthermore, it should come with a Smith CD. Oh, yeah, it should. Yeah, There's it's, sh- some Morrissey. Some Morrissey on there? Yeah. <laughs> Heaven knows I'm miserable now. That's right. Um, so yeah, this book is, I, I loved it. it I love all Raina Talmire's books. I'm a 31 year old man <laughs> and I'm telling you flat out, I don't care if you're a 
young boy, a young girl, an older woman, an older man, Raina Talemeyer books make you feel like a kid when you read them. And like Christina said, it takes you right back to when you were in high school. Whether or not the time period is the same, you know, this one's more of a modern story. Like It's I, still so I universal. Yeah, and I, oh my basically God. what I'm saying is I don't think the, the kids of that story know who Morrissey is, but they should. Yes. They could, he could Kids help. should be listening to Morrissey he while they're reading drama. He could help Jesse and Justin, I think, a lot. Go, you know, deal with their, you know, their <laughs> internal struggles. I kept hearing "How soon is now" yeah. <laughs> by the Smiths in my head as I was reading this. That's pretty good. Okay, so musical influences aside, what are some of your other thoughts on drama before we get into why it's been challenged and banned? I, I thought it was great. There. I mean, it pretty much covered, you know, crushes and trying, you know, where do I fit in? Do I, should I act this way to appear cool to this person? Mm-hmm. Or should I just be myself? Who am I really? I All will, of that stuff. I will say, though, that um, Callie, the main character of this book, does yeah. probably a better job than most teenagers at staying true to herself. Yeah. For a kid her age, like, I love Rand Talmire, and I'm not questioning her choice of how to tell a story because that she could write s- stories around me, like, outright me in any, <laughs> in any given moment. But um, I do think that, it, you know, like, she was a little too sure of herself, even in her moments of... I feel really bad about myself. She was still really, really proud and really, really strong. Stronger than probably most seventh graders are, whether they're boy or girl. But outside of that, this book is, you know, pretty spot on. Especially yeah. covering this type of kid. You know, they, they focus, like, the drama kids. <laughs> you know, so, like, she's got her finger pretty yeah. well on that pulse. The art I love Raina Talmire's art. Like her drawings are just the best. I I mean I didn't we didn't really talk about Jeff Smith's drawings. They were really good. And what I liked about Jeff Smith's drawings going back real quick uh-huh. is that there are two different styles throughout the book. Like there's the really yeah. cartoony. Yeah. And then when they meet the humans, the humans look Yeah. Like actual humans. I thought that right. was really cool. And I that's something you don't really find much in a dedicated children's story you know like this right. is you know geared toward middle to high school students um and I thought that was a pretty pretty fun touch because you do see that a lot in you know like adult graphic novels that the art style changes depending on the tone of the story or where they right. are in the story and so I, I I thought that was really cool of Jeff Smith to do in with Bone as well whereas Rainy Talmire the art's the same throughout but it's just good she's great cartoon art I mean it's just great it's great cartoon art. I mean, they're they're awesome. They're cute. Everyone is cute. Everyone and is fun to look they at. They sometimes border on. Sometimes their eyes look more like anime characters. Yeah, which to I me, find is is kind of a nice contrast. I feel like if you were to talk about Raina Talamayer's style, I feel like it's an amalgamation of manga and peanuts. Like, it, did I use the correct term? anime yeah this is 
Yeah. Or is it should yeah, it manga, be ma- manga, manga is, is, the, is print the print form. version of anime? Yeah. yeah. So, um, and if you have any other questions about manga or anime, listen to our last episode, <laughs> <laughs> our special manga episode, episode five. Anyway, um, so yeah, I mean that that's that's a that's enough about her art. <laughs> anyway, um, so for anyone who hasn't read drama, you might be wondering why is a book by Raina Talmire with her adorable peanuts inspired art being banned well Christina will tell you why let's see the main reason while Christina pulls up exactly yeah, the reports, yeah, the main reason is because there are two gay characters <gasps> in the book I know the Republican nominees would have a field day with this book. I'm sure they're burning it on stage with the next to <laughs> Um. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, and let's see. Tex- to the information given to Texas ACLU um, says that parents claimed the book to be sexually explicit and it was actually removed from school libraries um seriously i just can't even i can't even imagine that like what kind of message are you sending to elementary middle school and let's say a high school kid picks this up like what you're bad and you're wrong and not even that um, it, it is not use, sexually explicit. They that's kiss. What I want, that's what they I want to focus on. Yeah, they use the term, and it's in quotes, so it's in. They're taking that term out of the, the motion. You know, the paperwork that this person had to fill out. Right, or right. These people had to fill out to get this out of their library. They, um, they used the term sexually explicit, which you might think, oh, what's going on in this book? Is there nudity? Is there underage sexual intercourse? No. A There's not a single person scantily clad in this thing. It's sexually explicit because one boy kisses another boy on the lips. Um, and he does it because he does it on stage. Um, for those who are new to this show, um, I never say spoiler alert because I, everything's getting spoiled anyway. So just be prepared if you didn't want to know the big twist. I don't know why you're listening to this, honestly, if you didn't want to know. But secondly, uh, I'm about to tell you. So one of the characters who you don't know, there's two twin brothers. One of them is more or less openly gay. He's only openly gay to Callie and maybe and his brother. Mm-hmm. No one else really knows, but everyone right. kind of knows, you know, because he's, you know, he's just not like the baseball player boy, you know, mm-hmm. like, and he's fine with it. He's... He's being himself without having to go around handing out a business card that says, yes, I am gay. Um, but the other, his brother is not as, as openly gay. Right. And, um, and not even to his brother or to Callie, the main character. Like, he doesn't even let them know. And Callie develops a crush on him. And she thinks he likes her back. And, and oh. as a reader... Oh. <laughs> and as a reader, you, you get the impression that that he thinks you know, she uh, he, he broke my heart she thinks he likes it and you, you, as a reader you you get that same impression um <clears throat> excuse me but um 
what ends up happening is they're putting on their their big play of the year, Callie and Jesse. He's Jesse, right? The other one's Justin. Yes. Callie and Jesse are the stage hands. They're the ones who handle the props and the lighting and all that stuff. So, um, the actor, one of the act, one of the boy actors and one of the girl actors who have scenes together, they're actually dating, and then they break up during the play. And so <laughs> the girl doesn't come back Drama. out. Drama. <laughs> so the girl doesn't come back out for her her big scene with the male lead character, and there's supposed to be a kiss scene. Well, it turns out that Jesse happens to know all of the lyrics to all this song, especially this girl's part. And he comes out in a dress to save the production. And yeah. he sings the song, and they go through with the kiss at the end anyway. And that's when I think everyone realizes, oh, he is gay. <laughs> but in all honesty, I still didn't think that. There's part of me that was like, I was in high school. I would have done that to save my play, too. Like, <laughs> I was in high school drama. I would have done anything if a play was about to bomb that badly. I would have <laughs> run out there in a dress and kissed another man, too. But, um, so, it turns out that he is, and he he and the, the male lead character do like each other. And, and Callie has to come to terms with that. And that's the sexually explicit thing. That's the only kiss in this entire book, from what I recall, is a on stage kiss yeah so it's not like it's a real kiss it's not like it's a they're hanging out behind the the gymnasium after school <gasps> making out they mm-hmm. kiss each other during a play in which the play calls for a kiss so i mean if you want you could say these are seventh and eighth graders putting on a play so why is it okay for the seventh grade girl or the eighth grade girl to kiss the eighth grade or seventh grade boy Right. Like, that's... Right. They're still children. That's not something that... You know, like, you can still use the term sexual explicit. But it wouldn't. It wouldn't have happened if it weren't for the fact that there were two men. Especially... And I think this is what probably lands it on the top ten list all the time now of challenged or banned books. Because Uh the kid's in a dress. I think it makes it even worse. I think because he's in a little red dress... I think it makes it a whole lot They're just worse. pissed off that he could pull it off. I'm a little pissed off he could pull it off. <laughs> I certainly could pull that off. But, yeah, so like I said, this book is in 2014, which is the the latest ALA list for top 10 frequently challenged books. 2015's will be released next year. Uh, Drama finds it's, it's, you know, here's yet another example of Raina Talamire being on a top 10 list. She's now on the top 10 list of frequently challenged or outright and books and one of the good things about the um comic book legal defense fund is if you're doing some kind of program at your library at your school and you want to focus on some of these graphic novels they have additional resources that you can use in your education like classroom conversation starters or projects that you can do and i thought that was really interesting and and cool yeah so um I talked a lot more about drama than you did. Do you want to say anything else? I feel like you're I feel like you're outing me. That would be wrong. My god. No, I just <laughs> I just remember like all of that. Oh gosh, what did I did, <laughs> did I say like agonizing over over words and acceptance and oh did I say the right thing to that boy oh does he like me oh he looked at me oh he said (laughs) hi to me oh what do I 
gosh, what do I wear today? Did I, I mean, just God, all of that angst is just so overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Just to think of back on it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I just wish that the 14, 15 year old Christina would have had a chance to read some stuff like this because I mean really all you need even if you're considered weird not in the popular crowd or whatever as long as you have your little core group of friends that you feel supported by that's all that matters and all mm -hmm. the other stuff is just bullshit that's a good point yeah I know and that's one of the things I think Raina Talmeyer does incredibly well is her, her, her books whether it's this book or, or Smile which are the only two I, I've read by her they make you feel better they make you feel like you're not alone mm -hmm. and more importantly they remind you of what you went through so like I, I'm sure every kid who reads Smile or Drama or I'm assuming Sisters is equally as good as these I can't imagine it right. would be um I'm sure they instantly recognize themselves in it as things they are currently going through. And that's great. Mm -hmm. And it's equally as true for 30 and 40 year olds right. who read it. You're like, oh, I remember going through this. Right. Like, and it doesn't matter. Like, I wasn't a kid. I wasn't, I didn't have a cell phone. Cell phones didn't exist when I was going, right. you know, when I was their age at, at drama. And a lot of this story predicates on sending text messages and not getting responses back <laughs> but the same could be said for I mean instant messaging existed when I was a teenager passing notes existed when yeah. I was a teenager oh so, like, gosh god forbid your teacher get a hold of one of those <laughs> notes oh my god okay so any final thoughts on drama and its controversialness uh <laughs> I think it's ridiculous and I'm happy to have any title by Rena Telgemeier on on our shelves or our kid bookshelf. Yeah, this um, this book has received positive and glowing reviews from Publishers Weekly, Kirkus Media, Booklist, School Library Journal. It also was made the best best of the year in editor's choice list for Publishers Weekly, The Washington Post, The New York Times, Booklist, and the School Library Journal. It was nominated for a Harvey Award, and it was a Stonewall, Stonewall <laughs> Honor book. And she, these people have the nerve to try to ban yeah. it from their library. That's, I think, the best part of it. She pretty much just dropped the mic and walked off stage. Who did? Raina Talon? Yeah. yeah. She doesn't even need to she address doesn't. this nonsense. She doesn't. And that's, you know, like, she has a little afterward after the book. She has a little, like, acknowledgments area and a little, right. like, postscript. And I read it thinking maybe she'd say something about the forthcoming controversy, and she doesn't. Right. And she and and I've seen her in interviews, and we were lucky enough to actually see like sit in an interview with her. Yeah. And she did discuss this book and its controversy, and she said while she was writing it, Scholastic knew what she was writing. They saw the the pages, and they didn't right. care either. Right. Like they all knew that something might come of it. Uh huh. But they all were like, "This is the story." This mm -hmm. is true to these characters. This is true to the story. This is true to how people would feel. So fuck it. Let's publish it. Right. Who gives a shit? This is how people live. 
So. And this is also a great way to combat bigotry. You know, one kid handing a book to another kid and oh this is great you know just like plant the seeds of tolerance in kids that age so Mm -hmm. that they you know are less likely to develop those stereotypes and those negative views in their minds I mean how old was wasn't our kid I think it was like two years ago Probably. Yeah, I think she was like nine, nine or ten when she read and this. And so she was in fourth grade when she read this. And I would not, I mean, I wouldn't think, I don't have a negative thing to say about it. I wouldn't hesitate to give this to another fourth grader. No, I wouldn't either. I mean, I even have... though, like, you know, I think according to school library journal or Amazon, I think it's, it's actually, yeah, it, it it's a, more a of a grade. middle grade book. Mm-hmm. But honestly... I never, I'm always, always so happy to give any of her titles out to kids or adults looking at the library. Yeah, I had, um, I have one patron who comes into the library all the time, an older lady who's, I've gotten into graphic novels and her grandchild is, is into graphic novels too, vicariously through me. (laughs) And, um, so they're, you're a pusher. I am. I'm a pusher. That's the theme of this podcast overall. (laughs) Um, so she's asked me several times for for book recommendations and you know he's a younger he's a little bit younger than our kid and, he, and he's a boy based on the pronoun i keep mm-hmm. using um but i recommended smile and she was like oh but this is about a girl is he gonna I'm like he's gonna like i'm like he's i'm telling you he's gonna like this book like there's nothing uh-huh. in this book that's just universally about girls and sure enough she came back and he loved smile Mm-hmm. She was surprised. I was so surprised that he would like a book where the girl was there was a girl main character. So the next thing I pushed was um, oh my god! I always get so excited. I know. So the next thing I gave him was um, Courtney Grumman, um, which oh, is wow. also about a girl. Uh huh. Um, and I'll save the rest of that story for another podcast. It didn't go over quite as well <laughs> as, with Grandma as or Smile. with the with Grandma being protective. She thought the book would scare him. Oh, okay. Um, even though I said, but she becomes friends with the monsters, like, right, they're right, all cool, like it's where the wild things are, pretty much. But um, yeah, so that didn't go so well. <laughs> anyway, okay, so I guess I won't save the story during that time. That is pretty much the end of the story. Okay, so we got a few minutes left here. Um, Band Books Week is very important. If you don't have a display at your library, get one up. If you don't have graphic novels on that display, you can you should fix that and if you don't know which graphic novels to include the ALA might not have I don't think they have a list dedicated just graphic novels they have God, like I wish I remember they have ones but for like juveniles yeah I mean there there are ones there's on mouse. their top, top 10 but I was going to recommend once again the comic book legal defense fund they have and it was updated just today actually as we're recording this September 28th um they have 28 challenged books and banned comics to read during Banned Books Week 2015. You can find that link on our webpage, librariansassemble.com. It will be up there by the time you're listening to this. Or you can simply go to cbldf.org, and they have a link right on their front page. So some of those books, I'm going to just read through this list real quick. I'm not going to read all 28 books. 
But some of the... I'm, let me do just some of the top ones. So we have Amazing Spider-Man Revelations by J. Michael Straczynski, oh, wow. John Romero Jr., and Scott Hanna. Um, it was challenged in a middle school in Nebraska. The reason for the challenge was sexual overtones. Quick little thing here. A parent of a six-year-old boy who checked out the book filed a complaint and took the story to the media. The parent also withheld the book for the duration of the review process rather than returning it per the library <laughs> policy. So, that's fun. I've read this book. I've pretty much read the entire JMS John Romano Jr. Um, run of The Amazing Spider-Man. I'm a huge Spider-Man fan, and their take on Spider-Man is by far one of my be- my favorite. I honestly don't really read Spider-Man as much now that they don't do it. I just it's hard it's hard John Romano Jr. was a great artist for Spider-Man JMS wrote the hell out of Spider-Man and I'm not even a Babylon 5 guy Chrissy is not a huge um, sci-fi geek Uh, J. Michael Straczynski JMS he was the um, the creator of the new Babylon 5 that everyone raves and and talks about he also is working with the Wachowskis on that new Netflix show the Sensate. He's one of the oh. writers and producers on that. Okay, so I hear that's pretty good too. The second on this list is Barefoot Jen by um, the person whose name I'm not going to even try to pronounce because I'm just going to ruin it. Anyways, it was actually challenged in Japan. It's a Japanese book. Oh, really? Barefoot Jen, for those who don't know, I'm going to briefly summarize it. It basically covers the wartime atrocities of the Japanese military during World War II. So the Japanese don't always take favorably to having that brought up. (laughs) Um, Batman The Dark Knight Strikes Again by Frank Miller is on here. Uh, Oh, Frank Miller? By Frank. (laughs) How could you find anything? Um, Reason for challenge, sexism, offensive language, and unsuited to age group. Um... My only com, my only uh, <laughs> listen, kitten. My only thing I can say about that, my only comment would be, duh, it's Frank <laughs> Miller. For um, I don't think you know this. Here, I'm gonna get your live reaction. Watch this every way. So Frank Miller has written The Dark Knight Returns. That was right. his big, his big one. Then The Dark Knight Strikes Again, which is nowhere near as good as the first one. Okay. And he has a third Batman book coming out now, piecemeal. It is called Batman. The Master Race. <laughs> so, look for that to be on your challenge. Get frequently banned books He's next year. glutton for punishment. Oh, he hates it. Anyway, number four, Batman the Killing Joke by Alan Moore. Um, no shit, again, that this is on. Reason for challenge, advocates rape and violence. I'm not sure it advocates it. But, right. Okay. Again, I um, I do another podcast with friends of ours um, called Comic Flops, and this book just came up when we were talking about um, one of the latest one of the Batman movies. I do not like this book anymore. I read it when I was younger, like a teenager, and I thought, oh man, what a gritty Batman story. And then I read it again a couple years ago for a graphic novels in libraries class that I took with the with a professor who was actually on the show a couple episodes back. Um, and I read it and I was just like oh my god this is terrible 
and even Alan Moore. Are, uh, but are, okay, so on, in what realm is it like you're looking at it is, as like is it just because you're older now, or is it because you're a dad, or I think all of it, and I think also like we live in a society now where like, holy shit, how is this ever acceptable? How is this ever acceptable for this to be a major plot line? Um, so what happens in this story? This was written in the 80s. Um, the Joker, in an attempt to fuck with Commissioner Gordon and Batman, shows up at Barbara Gordon. At Oh, God, you told me about this yeah, before. He shoots Barbara Gordon, paralyzes her, strips her, takes photographs of her, and then torments commissioner gordon with those for the rest of the series like and then not only that does he still hold her captive does he kill her no he he doesn't kill her her not like you know yeah no what happens is one's better than another in that case. barbara gordon batgirl right remains crippled for most of the next 20 years she becomes a crippled hero like other but, people so, take the but mantle she's background. still a badass librarian. Oh, she's still a badass librarian. She okay. takes, you know, Gail, Gail Simone saves the shit out of Barbara Gordon. And everything we have as far as great Batgirl stories now is owed, uh-huh. owed to her in the early 2000s. Um, oh, she was in that PBS series, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah, she's the best. Number five is Blankets by Craig Thompson. It is challenged for obscene images. Um, yes, there are naked people in this comic book. Ooh. But again, this That doesn't tells, happen in real life. It doesn't happen in real life. But again, <laughs> it tells the story of, you know, a kid growing up. So to get the rest of the list, I'm not going to go through the rest. Um, just visit librariansassemble.com. I will have a link to the list on our site. I think for those who might not pay attention to banned books... I think and Sandman is on there. Sandman is on here. Neil Gaiman has quite a few. Neil Gaiman and, <laughs> Neil Gaiman and Al, Alan Moore pop up quite frequently. Um, oh, so does Brian K. Vaughn, who is another prolific, great writer. Basically, if there's a book that you thought was really good, chances are it's <laughs> it was challenged banned or banned from some library. So in our, in our closing minutes, I want to talk about something completely unrelated to banned books. I want to talk about libraries at comic book conventions. Um, we work for an unnamed library, which I've accidentally named several times, um, in, in Palm Beach County. And every year we go to our area's local comic book convention called PalmCon. And PalmCon has been for five plus years now, incredibly generous to the local libraries of the Palm Beach County area, not just the main libraries but like the little city libraries as well and they provide a free booth for most libraries Mm -hmm. all they have to do is ask and it's a wonderful 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 experience i've been lucky enough to organize it for the past couple years a good friend of mine and former co-worker and actually former boss too at one point in in our life um his name is terry he used to get our library he was the first one to get our library involved with PalmCon, and we've been involved with them ever since it is growing this con is growing every year getting bigger every year it's getting too big for its britches already <laughs> it's already had to move 
It's already had to move venues once. It's already had to expand to a multi multi day event now, and as a public library going to these things, it is so fun to meet the the local nerds <laughs> and see how much they either already love your library and are grateful for all the things your library is already doing or how much they don't know and are so excited to find out that they have all the shit they love <laughs> for free. Right. And so I, I just want to talk a little bit about some of our experiences because Christina and I now for the past couple of years have been doing that and putting together some stuff. So some tips for those who might be going to a Comic-Con for their library or who um, want to. First thing, first thing to do is find out what con is in your area. Hopefully you have a, con, a comic book convention somewhere within your library's umbrella district or close enough to it. Um, the second thing to do is contact them. Every comic book con outside of the wizard world <laughs> is put on pretty much by one or two people. Like there, it's mm-hmm. a pretty small group of people who put it together and they work all year long doing it and it's really hard. And you'll be surprised to, to learn how many of them love libraries because as you may know already, comic book shops and libraries get along because neither one is really stepping on anybody's toes. Right. Like, like it's hard for libraries to take business away from comic book shops because it takes libraries a long ass time to get a graphic novel. Right. So like we're not really cutting into their sales. If anything, we increase them because they'll read the first couple volumes and realize it's going to be a year or two before the library can afford to get volumes six through 20. So then they start collecting them. They'll just go start collecting Mm -hmm. them. So a lot of the people who put on cons have worked at comic shops or have friends at comic shops and all that good stuff. So contact them and see if they, first of all, be willing to work with you for little to no money to get your library at that con. And then once you are there, whether you have to pay or whether you get in for free, ham it up, man. Like you got, you got a little <laughs> table, you get a little booth, decorate the hell out of the thing and get people there. You can have what we do for our library system is we have multiple people work the booth. We, have, we rotate the shifts. And it gives people a chance to experience the con. And it also gives people different faces to look at. And people always want to go. Yeah. I mean, you'll you'll be surprised at just how many comic book fans you have in your system who want to go. It'll be easy to staff. Yeah. Nine times out of ten. Yeah. You'll, nine times out of ten, you'll have to tell people, listen, we have too many people. Right. You can't go, you know. So some of the things we've done over the past couple of years, besides hand out information about what the library offers... We've offered, you know, library-specific coloring pages. We've Our community relations department has put together some pretty fun coloring pages for um, our library's mascot dressed as a superhero, and those really go over well. But we've also done some other things where um, we've worked with the various children's departments in our library, and they've helped us make little paper masks that kids can then decorate and tie to their to their faces and so whether they're in costume or not <laughs> they can make their own cosplay while they're there and adults can do that and too. adults can do it too um and <laughs> adults do um we've also had um 
little word searches, little games that we found online that we've done. One of my favorite ones, and the reason I'm talking about this while Christina is here, one of my favorite ones is last year we worked with our system youth services department to get a beanbag toss game. And the beanbag toss game was just a regular design. It was like a jungle theme. What Christina did is she found a lot of fun images, a lot of fun comic book images, and she cut them out and she decorated the hell out of this thing. And it is, in the three years I've been going out, it is still the most popular thing we've had. So (laughs) talk a little bit about this beanbag toss game and how you went around about decorating it and what are some of the things we did with it like you know we really just covered it with um and again real quick i know i said i haven't interrupted you and i'm doing it right now um the reason i'm having her speak to you about this i don't know any of you i don't know how you are with arts and crafts i am the worst at arts (laughs) arts and crafts so like for me i would literally need somebody to tell me how to decorate something like this so just i'm just assuming there might be other people out there <laughs> as ignorant at arts and crafts as i am well if it, you actually printed out most of yeah, the I images can, i can hit control and, p with the best of them right well you did and you got some great like little word bursts like pow bam and um in varying shapes we just cut them out and after we after we went ahead and covered the original board with uh, butcher's paper, um, we just cut out the holes with an X-Acto knife to correspond to where they were before. We threw the word bursts on there, and um, that's it, really. It was super easy, just tape and paper. Lots and of tape. And God bless that thing. It, it held, held up. It held up for I don't know how many I don't know how many kids just every, beaming those little every bean kid, bags. Any kid who walked by. And this was a year that we were right at the front of the con. So, like, we were one of the first things you saw when you walked in. So, yeah, pretty much every child beat the shit out of this <laughs> beanbag toss game, and it held up. And one of the things we did with it is we also were able to get superhero-themed stickers. And we we gave those out as, as prizes to kids who, who participated and I think that's that's what the takeaway is with these things is you get to interact with your patrons in a way that you don't generally get to on on a daily basis. I mean, I can't tell you how many how many patrons I've seen over the years at PalmCon. <laughs> and you know, like you go there even you know, like even when you're not at the table, you go there and you see them and you're like, Oh hey, how's it going? They're excited to see you right. outside of outside of the library and you're excited to see them yeah and and it's fun and they get to learn about all the cool stuff you're doing and even if you're not signing people up for library cards while you're there even if you're just handing out information and handing out fun little stuff you're still doing the library's bidding you're still in you're still getting library's name out there but what you're doing what i realized recently that we're doing um, <laughs> um, Can you hear that? That's Sasha sniffing the microphone right now. <laughs> Sasha is, is one of our dogs. Um, what I what I think is is important about this is comic book cons are very expensive. They're expensive to get into, and they're expensive just to attend. There's so many things there to buy. 
like but not even and, figuring in the costume first if yeah, you go then, then dressed there's up. That. but like <laughs> nothing there is free and that's fine it, i mean people are making money it's it's a great it's a great commerce but as a library you get to be the one thing there just like you're the one thing in your community that gives away shit for free right. and so it's really fun for people to come up and still be able to get cool little knickknacks or cool little things even if they're not fantastic mm-hmm. it's something fun that parents can take their kids and they see the library like every parent that sees the library booth when we go beelines it to the library booth even if they're not regular right. library patrons because they know oh my god my kid can do something for free here <laughs> like this is going to be 10 minutes of my life where i'm not being i'm not having to say no we can't buy that 75 dollar batman action figure let's look for something else like and I think it's that's nice. kind of a misconception, too, because I think a lot of people have the impression that these things are just, you know, for extravagant costumes and they're not really a family affair. But they are. They are. They are. I mean... They are. I mean, we had... Especially <laughs> Slave con. labor, child labor had our kid helping us with oh, yeah, the beanbag toss yeah, we this is the she always helps row, us yeah. with everything and she loves it um but there are so many there are so many families that attend together and i will say that is i've known okay so we've we've gone as a con going family we've gone to some big ones down in miami and we when we hit up our little and our our little one in, in palm beach county and I will say that the Palm Beach County one seems more family-oriented. Mm-hmm. There are way more families at this one than the other ones. And I think that's just the nature of this con. It's more of a just walk around and look at right. look at people's goods versus ones like Megacon or Supercon in Miami, mm-hmm. where it's more of a, all right, wait in line for 20 minutes to meet the star of <laughs> ins- insert, yeah. insert um, movie here, you know? So... But one way or another, what you said is completely true. Comic book conventions, more so now than ever before, are family outing opportunities. And if you can get your library to have a presence, you will be, first of all, surprised at the amount of love you get. From even teenagers. I... I, 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 <laughs> Are you going to cry right now? No, every, everyone who's ever, anytime I, and I unfortunately didn't work at our booth this year. I, I put everything together. I, I, I helped with all that behind the scenes stuff. I was, I was the Callie and Justin and Jesse of, <laughs> of this year's BombCon. But um, every time I've ever sat at that booth, it is so fun. Mm-hmm. It, you, don't, you don't get these same stories when you sit at the reference desk. You don't no, get people no, coming in don't. talking about how great the library is, how much they love the library, how great this and that is. But you do at these things. And yeah. I think it's a, a wonderful, and I can't believe it's taken me 20 minutes now to use this term, it's a wonderful outreach opportunity that more libraries need to do. And I don't know how many libraries really are. I know a lot of libraries, and I know this from talking to many of you librarians out there now, thanks to this podcast, um, I know a lot of you are putting on your own comic book conventions, and I think that's really fun. Yeah. But if you have the opportunity to do both and go to an actual comic book convention, 
as a library, I think it's a great opportunity to get out into the community and to see your patrons the way they want to be seen, you know, as as Batman or as <laughs> or as Sailor Neptune or whomever they whomever they decide they are in their heart. You get to see them that way and it's fun. It, it's really fun and especially a lot of our one last thing here, a lot of the people who have worked our library's booth myself not included i'm not i'm not a big cosplayer but a lot of the people who do work the the library's booths over the year have come in cosplay and it really helps that engagement process it really helps connect to these patrons that are there in cosplay Mm -hmm. they realize oh my god the library is filled with people like me (laughs) <laughs> you know, my local librarian is crazy is crazy about steampunk too, or <laughs> my local librarian loves Wonder Woman, or my local librarian loves anime. You know, like mm-hmm. it's it's great. It's just an all around great opportunity, and that's all I have to say. Um, real quick though, next week I think Angel will be talking about um, a comic book con that she and her local comic shop are going to be doing this weekend coming up. There's some tiny little anime convention in Miami whose name I've already forgotten so I am so sorry I don't want to type it into the computer right now because we are so close to getting out of here (laughs) (laughs) but Angel will probably be here next week to talk a little bit about that and the other part of next week's episode is we are going to have librarian and comic book aficionado and member of the wonderful organization the Valkyries Ivy Noel will be on to discuss a lot of fun library programs as well so while we still have Christina because I'm going to find other ways to strong arm her to come back anything any last any last words Christina <laughs> go read a band book go read a band book go play some band book bingo <laughs> and listen to dismiss while you're doing it <laughs> okay so some house some house cleaning affairs here um as I said, you can find us on on our website, librariansassemble.com. Our Twitter handle is at assemblepodcast. You can send us emails at librariansassemble at gmail.com. If you want to share some of your favorite band books or challenge books with us, we'd love to hear about them. And finally, one last bit, if you like the show and were wondering where the hell it was for the last week, well... Why don't you show how much you love the show and support our Patreon account? Um, we've recently started a Patreon, patreon.com slash librariansassemble. You can get exclusive access to um, podcasts that we will be recording, special low book, monthly book club podcasts that only those Patreon supporters will have access to. So once again, it's patreon.com slash librariansassemble. And if you aren't completely sick of the sound of my voice already, you can listen to the other <laughs> podcast I do now, which is Comic Flops. You can find that on iTunes, Stitcher, and Player FM, and pretty much anywhere else that podcasts are sold and or not sold, just like you can find us. So, once again, this has been Band Books Week Special Edition with myself and my beautiful wife, Christina. We hope you enjoyed it. Go read some banned books, you fools, and we will see you next week to talk about comic book cons and more library comic-related programming. Bye. Bye.